All right, welcome back to the program. Here we go to the meat of the show. Gesundheit with Jacobus. I appreciate you tuning in today. It is April Fool's Day, and I decided to make the topics based on uh, fooling. How have we been fooled as uh, people in this nation about by the FDA, by the Western Medical Machine, as well as the CDC, and given information, wrong information. So I was talking about uh, cardiovascular, about cardiovascular health, and about the uh, the the myth, the myth of cholesterol being bad for your heart. Now, some of you may have started reading more information about this, but it is very obvious that the majority of people, the majority of people truly believe that when the cholesterol is elevated, that there is a problem. And that when somebody has a heart attack or cardiovascular disease, the first, there's two things that they will be put on. They will be put on blood thinners and they will be put on cholesterol-lowering medication. And so when that happens is that the doctor, who is the cardiologist, the specialist, the man who doesn't know anything about your life except that you just had a heart attack and you were probably going to die, that that was based on your cholesterol. And so let's lower the cholesterol and let's go from that, from that moment on. So this was an article that is published in the latest Wellbeing Journal, the May-June 2017 issue, so they're way ahead. And this is an interview with Johnny Bowden, who is a PhD and a clinical nutritional uh, uh, nutritionist. And But he has... Um, Johnny Bowden is the author of numerous books, including, including The 150 Healthiest Foods on Earth, Smart Fat, More Fat, Lose More Weight, Get Healthy Now, and The Great Cholesterol Myth. So the question is, many people still believe the misinformed pronouncements made over the last 50 years advising people to avoid saturated fat, eat margarine, or polyunsaturated oils instead of butter. And also foods high in cholesterol, which are all conventions that have now been proven scientifically to be incorrect. In other words, saturated fats is not dangerous. And the, 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 the seed oils like canola, safflower, sesame, walnut, um, uh, those are, and margarine, those are actually very, very, very dangerous for us as People, even those who know of the new research vindicating saturated fats, are still affected by the years of skewed news. Might you be willing to address this issue in general, perhaps in the context of what you have found about the role of nutrition in cardiovascular health? And Johnny Bowden says, I had the same experience as everyone else in this regard. It's hard to get that kind of information about saturated fat or dietary cholesterol causing cardiovascular disease out of your head once it's put in there. Recently, I interviewed a researcher who was involved in one of the seminal studies that absorbed saturated fat of any wrongdoing in the body. It was a meta-analysis with about 350,000 patients that posed the question, what's the real relationship between saturated fat and heart disease? The answer was simple. None. 
So I asked a researcher, would it be safe to say that this study vindicates saturated fat? And you could see he struggled to answer the question with a yes. He said, well, I wouldn't go that far. Let's say we failed to find any evidence of harm. Let's say we failed to find any evidence of harm. So here's someone who has trouble wrapping his mind around the results of research he himself was involved with because it so contradicts the stuff that we've been taught and that we believed about saturated fats for most of our lives. It's not hard to understand how these ideas become entrenched beliefs. It's 50 years. I mean, Ansel Keys, the doctor, he was a PhD actually, a physiologist, uh, who lived in 1953, and actually he lived to 2004. The guy ended up being 100 years old when he died. I think he was born in 1904, died in 2004. So maybe he's got something right, but maybe he was sneaking a little fat on the side when nobody was looking. But he gave people the idea that you had to go no fat, low fat. If you were going to do any fat, it had to be fat from a plant and uh, not a saturated fat from animals, for example. So it's hard to understand how these ideas become entrenched beliefs. It's hard to turn what you've been thinking for 30 or 50 years around to face the light of the research now. Um, lean protein. So his own co-author, a wonderful smart man, Stephen Masley, used labels that had crept into this language, such as lean protein. So I said, Steve, what are you saying? Lean protein? If there are no toxins in the fat... If it is grass-fed, why tell our readers to eat lean? I eat all the fat I can when I know it is grass-fed. It's just hard to get the old views out of your head. We've been saying lean protein for so long, it's hard to remember that there's no need for the protein to be lean if it's not toxic. So, I totally sympathize with everyone who struggles with how counterintuitive these new findings have become. Most of us were raised on the belief, not the facts, that saturated fat and cholesterol cause heart disease. Getting past that belief, undoing that, that's a very heavy lift. Question. What about people in general? Do they know, do they now know that good, pure, saturated fats such as coconut oil or fats from animals that are grass-fed are not causes of heart disease? Johnny Dowden said, Bowden said, you and I know the research, but I don't think people in general are aware. For those who are aware, it is useful to continue to have that fact substantiated. There's no argument anymore, for example, that dietary cholesterol is not a cause of heart disease. In fact, dietary cholesterol isn't even a cause of high blood cholesterol. And the new guidelines even reflect that, saying that Cholesterol is no longer a nutrient of concern in the diet. The new guidelines even reflect that, saying that cholesterol is no longer a nutrient of concern in the diet. However, there is just a caution here for a small number of people. Under 5% of the population who have an inherited condition called familial hypercholesterolemia, those people may be responsive to cholesterol in the diet and they might have to limit it for the overwhelming majority of people who have cholesterol in the diet, for example, from eggs, is of literally zero concern. 
But even though the establishment now knows that cholesterol in eggs or shrimp doesn't make a whit of difference, that isn't a repudiation of the cholesterol theory. The dietary establishment still thinks cholesterol in the blood is a big problem, although they now admit that eating cholesterol doesn't raise your blood cholesterol. They still believe the theory that blood cholesterol is a very important metric. I think blood cholesterol is fairly irrelevant in terms of predicting heart disease, particularly when they use the old-fashioned, out-of-date cholesterol test that just measures HDL and LDL. The test is long past its expiration date. So I want to uh, say a, a couple things. Uh, when Uwe Ravenskopf was talking about high, familial hypercholesterolemia, he said those were actually the people who had um, who had uh, uh, cholesterol between 300 and 600, but they just never got sick. They they died of old age in old age and never had cancer or heart disease or uh, even infections would heal overnight. Never really had the flu or cold. They were just extremely strong people. Uh, one thing though in familial hypercholesterolemia is that you cannot only and there is a there is a controversy. So I I'm learning. I say controversy, but it's partly because I still have to learn certain things, accept certain things. When it comes to understanding LDL and HDL cholesterol, but when the HDL, I tell people, look at your blood test. If the HDL is 35 to 45, 35 to 45, you're in a danger zone. That is really a risk. So if you have high cholesterol and in that cholesterol, your HDL, your good cholesterol, call it, is 35 to 45, there is a problem for potential heart disease or maybe a heart attack. It's just not good for the heart. Your LDL, what they call the bad cholesterol, and I've explained this in the past, it is an extremely important cholesterol. It is an extremely important cholesterol and that is uh, uh, something that uh, goes in the body to help fight infections, inflammation, and injuries. So when we have an injury of any kind or we have an infection, we're fighting the chances are that the LDL cholesterol is going up because the liver makes cholesterol and the cholesterol, the job of the cholesterol is to help us. So obviously, otherwise the liver wouldn't make it. So when the liver makes cholesterol, there is a purpose for it. To then go as a physician and say, well, I don't like the way the numbers look. I'm going to put you on something that lowers the cholesterol then you are not doing the, the body a service because the body is trying to be in this healing mode. So when you have injured yourself or you have an infection or inflammation, like you work out really hard and you, you come home and you're sore. You're sore in your hip, you're sore in your glutes, you're sore in your thighs, you're sore in your lower back because you did certain exercises. The chances are that if you were to do an LDL test at the time, you'll find or within a day or two, you're going to find that the LDL is, is up. And part of that is because the purpose of the LDL, one of the purposes is to heal, to, to help the cardiovascular vessels, the uh, blood vessels, the arteries heal from an infection, an injury, or an inflammation. And so once the body finds the healing, the LDL will automatically go down. So people who have high LDL, they are at a risk 
of that means that they're doing something to the body. Now, what is the issue though? When it comes to um, when it comes to actual um, LDL cholesterol and HDL cholesterol, there is something we got to keep in mind, and that is the uh, the fact that there is not just one LDL and one HDL. There are about five different HDL levels numbers, and there is there are five different LDL numbers, and so this is an important thing to realize. I just got to take a sip here. My throat is getting dry. Anyway, the HDL. So let's see here. What does Johnny Bowden says? There is the fact that cholesterol is important for many functions, including repair of inflammatory damage to arterial walls. That's the question. And going a step further, there's the research of Linus Pauling about vitamin C and how it prevents cardiovascular disease because of its mechanism of repair to the inflammatory damage in the layer of epithelial cells in arteries. So it's not just a cholesterol issue. And Johnny Bowden says, oh, not at all. The notion that plaque is made up of just cholesterol and other myths like that have long been debunked. Do you hear that? If you think that cholesterol is the plaque that forms in your system, he says that has long been debunked. And I think that he's talking about Uwe Ravenskopf back in 2004. That's 13 years ago. But the books in the medical profession have not been changed yet. They just have a heck of a time giving it up. An important point to make here, Johnny says, is that the notion that cholesterol just comes in two flavors, good and bad, is obsolete. We now know that there are five different varieties of HDL, such as HDL2A and 2B, and at least five different varieties of LDL cholesterol, notably LDL-A, which is pretty harmless, and LDL-B, which is not. Medicine in general is still using a completely antiquated method. That is, they measure your good cholesterol and your bad cholesterol. This is nonsense. The particle test, particle, which actually looks at each division of LDL and HDL, sees that these have differently, that they that these behave, these particles behave differently in the body. For example, LDL-A looks like a cotton ball under a microscope and does just about as much damage. LDL-B, on the other hand, is a nasty little atherogenic oxidized particle that causes the dust cause problems. So as long as medical professionals are measuring these things in old-fashioned ways, without looking at the distinctions that actually matter, they're not even prescribing based on a real risk factor. They're looking at total cholesterol, which means nothing, and LDL and HDL, which by themselves are not as meaningful as knowing what kind of HDL or LDL you're looking at. So I urge people to get the more specific particle test, not your general test for plain old HDL and LDL. When doctors prescribe statin drugs based on total cholesterol or just LDL cholesterol, they are really practicing antiquated medicine. They're treating a number, not a patient. Let me read that sentence again. When doctors prescribe statin drugs based on total cholesterol or just the LDL cholesterol, they are really practicing antiquated medicine. They're treating a number, not a patient. So when you look at LDL 
and you take large particles LDL. So imagine a big beach ball rolling down the uh, the steps or over bumps, etc. And it, it doesn't catch on to anything. But if you take the LDLB particles, those are small, they're hard, they're sticky. And if there is any crack anywhere in the cardiovascular wall, in the arterial wall, then what happens is they can stick right there. They can grab onto something. And now the next one comes and just grabs onto the other little one. And now they start building a lump that could become a plug, a clogging. But to simply say your cholesterol is high, so I put you on cholesterol-lowering medication makes absolutely no sense. And I hope you understand what I am saying. If you are worried about heart disease, there are different reasons why we get heart disease. And one of them is a drop in testosterone. Guys who drop testosterone to less than 550 on the total testosterone, they have a 30% increased risk of developing cardiovascular problems and heart attack and a 24% increased risk for developing a stroke. Now, those are important numbers. That's important to know. Testosterone goes down, and it is similar for women. When testosterone goes down in women, they increase their risk for cardiovascular health and a stroke. Now, you also have the issue of... um, The, there is also the issue of um, uh, with the LDL, have your particle size checked. And, oh, the other thing for heart attack, sorry, I lost my train of thought for just a moment. The other reason for heart attack, have your doctor test your homocysteine levels. Homocysteine, serum homocysteine, because homocysteine is 10 times more accurate in diagnosing a possible risk for a heart attack or a cardiovascular episode than cholesterol will ever be. Homocysteine. It is an amino acid, a protein, that when it comes in the body, it's supposed to be converted into another amino acid. The amino acid is called methionine. It does that with the help of certain B vitamins, B6, B12, and folic acid. If you don't have enough of these B vitamins, or if the system just cannot break it down in general, and the homocysteine levels stay high in the body, you are at a high risk of developing a cardiovascular episode. So if you are above 10 you are at a high risk. If you are between 5 and 10, let's say 7 to 10, you are at a medium risk. The goal would be to be to get around 5. Homocysteine around 5 will be very safe. If you have that, so next time you do a blood test, get a particle blood test on the LDL and the HDL, it's about, it's less than 100 bucks to get that test, and it is worth it because once you know what kind of particles you have, you don't have to worry about it anymore because now it is a, um, now you know how your 
cholesterol is made and what kind it makes. So if you have large LDL particles, the LDLA, high particles are good, then what happens is you will actually be able to avoid major heart problems and you will then protect your health by sticking with a higher cholesterol because it is so important for so many reasons. So in any case, we are coming up to the end of the first hour. There's a lot more to talk about. I got quite a few topics right here on Gesundheit with Jacobus. But we're going to be right back. Thanks for listening. Keeping a finger on the pulse of health research. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus every Saturday morning from 8 to 11. 